Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Sabine L. Jamile conveys her strong narrative skills and her deep understanding of human emotions into her writing and directing work, giving a voice to extraordinary people in ordinary situations. Wandering around the Middle East under inconceivable circumstances during the Persian Revolution and the Lebanese Wars, Sabine considers herself to be a citizen of the world. Her passion for filmmaking brought her to Los Angeles, where she resides since 1994. After editing a number of award-winning feature films, Sabine successfully marked her debut as a writer-director with Nilofar in competition at the Berlin Film Festival 59th, Cannes Jr., AFI, and prestigious special screenings. Currently, Sabine has two compelling socially engaged screenplays ready to get produced. As a mother, Sabine is on a mission to expose the truth about the effects of cell phone radiation and wireless technologies on children's health. Sabine is currently marketing her documentary film, Zapped. And Carol, I understand Sabine is fiscally sponsored by From the Heart, right? Yes, Claire. We're so honored to have you with us, Sabine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we want to cover a lot today because you, I know you've learned a lot making this uh, niche audience film. It's, what has it been, four years now you've been producing this? Exactly, four years. From right. the time I started having the idea and I started making the research to yes. now. And That's really fast, I have to say, but, but it seems <laughs> It doesn't like feel like on it. On one hand, <laughs> but it's a long term. But, uh, so what we want to do today is to cover all of the things, as much as we can, that you have learned about this, and especially about the community screenings and how you can get your film to the people that need to see it. So let's start with why you made the film and maybe explain some of the content for our listeners. Yes. Um, so Generation Zapped is a documentary um, that, that reveals the research um, uh, around cell phone radiation and uh, wireless technologies and how it impacts children's health. So I made this film because I was I had three teenagers and the iPhone came out in about 2007 and by 2012 or so right around there every school was starting to go um, praise digital education and I was very concerned about screen time and the more I did some research the more, of course, I was concerned about the content of the screen time and, and the, the, the screen time itself, but then I became aware of the source of the screen time. Like, what are they watching it on? Is it a computer? Is it an iPhone? Is it a tablet? That's when the tablets came out. 
And I remember very clearly I was visiting a middle school um, in Los Angeles for my son, and the person doing the tour opened the door and very proudly explained that it was the first year that they were having the iPads, and all the children had iPads and a smart board. And I was just becoming aware of radiations. I was not fully into their research yet. I was just trying to reduce my own exposure. And I just had this vision of all these kids in a microwave, which <laughs> in a microwave oven, which I ended up using <laughs> yeah. in the film. But that was like this first image, this animation that's currently in the film is the reason I made this film because I, I thought, well, I was starting to do to to pay attention to my environment, telling my friends, talking to teachers at schools, and I realized n- not everyone, including my kids and my husband, were taking me seriously. I kept uh, hearing, oh, there's not enough research. Cell phones wouldn't be on the marketplace if they weren't safe. And I was like, you guys. If I, and I realized that the power of filmmaking, it's really interesting. Now that the film is made, that some people have seen it, they just take it at, for what it is, and they, they are making changes in their own lives. I've been telling them the same thing four years ago. But I don't know what it is with the power of the images and seeing all the experts and not having to read through the um, all the research because that's been what's been difficult. Um, I don't know. You tell me if I'm too long, but <laughs> I was going to say no, no, no. This is. I'll tell you what. It's shocking because you start off and you're thinking, oh well, you know how how it can't be that bad, and then you start watching and say, oh wow, that's is that true? Who was that scientist? Who is this engineer? Who is this? And you have everybody there. You've done such a marvelous job of of investigative journalism in this film and we have all of these people's names we can research them online and like cindy sage boy she's she's a shocker and she's very important all of these people are important in your film but what you did for us you spent four years compiling the information and the data so that when we get through watching your film we truly believe it and if we don't we certainly have the tools to go and verify that's what's going on that was the idea and i have to say that was also one of the most challenging thing and that's why we ended up spending almost 18 months if not more in the editing room because there is so much information that is in-depth information of medical information engineer um related information when larry gus was talking about it that actually people don't understand. I, I'm not even sure I still don't understand it like four years later um, <laughs> because it, it's sometimes very medical and very thorough. And I started having wanting to prove to the world that the research was there and that um, by explaining all the different medical effects like um, lipid peroxidation or how the cells get impacted or how the the DNA DNA, um, repair at night and how EMF actually impacts this process. And and the blood-brain barrier, how that impacts the brain development in children when they're exposed to um, electromagnetic fields because it becomes permeable. So all that was really too much. I had a couple of screenings and people said, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost like an online 
um, univer- college course, it's boring like hell. <laughs> so I went back in the edit. That was the difficult difficulty for me because I had to cut it down, and I had fabulous editors helping me through the process. And at that time, I was working with Edward Osegiyama after having spent a lot of time also with uh, Marko Jakubowicz. And he was like, you have to make it mainstream and uh, digestible. I don't understand it. And so we really worked at making it accessible, making it understandable to a mother who's cooking at the same time because she has three kids but she wants to know about it but doesn't have the time to sit down for 74 minutes, and and, right. and at the same time to to get the right information out and compiling the information because the information is out there, but there's so much of it. So just getting the essentials to for people to start having awareness about the issue Yes. Start making changes. At the end, we do we do give solutions, and then of course they can spend another four years doing the same research I did. But at this, but we it, it's really an awareness film. Well, it certainly appears that way um, because it's I, I am sensitive to Wi-Fi. It will just uh, zap my energy. Um, I, I can, when friends come to visit, if they're going to spend the night, they have to turn their cell phones off when I go to bed because I can actually feel that electricity going through my body. And they don't know how powerful they are but uh, because I keep mine turned off most of the time. I just check it on occasion. But uh, once you get in an environment with lower Wi-Fi and lower radiation, you feel so much better. But you don't know that until you've experienced both sides of it, right? That's exactly right. A lot of people are not aware. I'm not electrosensitive. So I, uh-huh. when I go, um, if people have cell phones around me or if I'm in, an, in an airport, I don't feel the radiations. I'm aware of it, so I do what a what I do to pro- to reduce my exposure and protect my health out of awareness, but not because it makes me sick. The only thing that I have is when I text a lot, my I have a, a shooting pain in my hand, and that's when I realize, oh, my, I'm holding my phone too much, and I put it away. And I have all those little things when I work, like now I'm at the hardwired computers or my all my apps, my WhatsApp, my Skype, uh, my iMessaging system is on my computer that is hardwired, and I put my phone in the kitchen. And that's a way for me Great. to turn. Yeah, little things like that that we talk about in the film. And just doing yes. that really reduces your exposure. But I've met people like you that are electrosensitive, and their symptoms, I mean, I, in a way, um, they're lucky because they know what uh, that their environment uh, is harmful, but in another way, it's very difficult for them because it's everywhere. And now with 5G and the new um, proposition SB649, that's going to be even worse. This is a a proposition basically that is allowing um, the implementation of 5G and antennas on lampposts. And citizens will not have the right to opt out or or ask them to put them down they're just it will be mandatory so basically so people need to vote no on that or call their legislators okay, so, so hmm? that is shocking so they're going to put them on poles on land, land poles. poles yeah yeah land and actually post. oh my god mm-hmm. yeah and you can so actually be everywhere see them. 
Oh, yeah, they'll be everywhere. And, and if you're in an apartment building um, and you have a lamppost right at the level of your child's bedroom, just imagine that. Oh, great, Scott. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so, Okay, and how soon is that coming? Well, um, Governor Jerry Brown is supposed to vote uh, yes or no in the next 10 days. Wow. They'll just barrel it right down the road here then. We'll all have it. Well, he seems to be to have an awareness of it, so hopefully it'll hopefully he will <laughs> but it, he should oh, vote gosh. no on that and um we are actually um we did a facebook live with amy smart and she was kind enough to give us a little um snippet of her position on sb649 which is vote no on the okay okay got it uh, all right, so uh, let's get over, uh, well, the main thing was the, the benefits for the film, for the viewer, benefits of the film for the viewer are that you have all of the um, research that you've done, you've got the tips at the end, and you've got uh, the interviews with the scientists, so they can do s- small things that can improve their health immediately after watching it, Right. Definitely, definitely, and and also we have um, someone in the film, uh, Jamie, who is electrosensitive, and we interviewed him, and again a year after the first interview, and in that one year he did some chelation treatments and and really worked hard at reducing his exposure around him, and felt yes. better. So you see his evolution and what he did in his house. And that's very helpful. So we do give tips um, in the film, but, you know, we didn't want to make a list of things you can do, like a laundry list on the film, because then people can't write, they can't, they're, they're, they're still under the shock of it. But we hint to solutions, and some of them are, you know, logical after we talk about the rise of breast cancer, because young women are putting their cell phones in their bra, we don't have to mention that girls need to make their um, bras a no-phone zone. It, it's, it's kind of obvious. So, so you get that awareness in watching the film. We also, in our um, Facebook page, we invite um, people to actually like us and follow us on Facebook. We have this uh, campaign giving tips away every – I think we give two tips a, a week – like things I do when I work, I just gave you one, what I do with my apps on my computer, um, mm-hmm. how to reduce your exposure at work, at home, with your kids, at school. Um, we did a whole one at school um, where, for instance, there's someone in the film, because we do talk in the film about Wi-Fi in schools, how it is very hard today to not have Wi-Fi in schools because of where society is heading, basically, in digital education and the benefits of it. So what we suggest is if you're not going to be able to have your child in a hardwired classroom, then at least you can talk to your PTAs or your teachers to have them have um, uh, guide safety guidelines, simple things. Don't wear the laptop on your lap. It has to be on a desk. 
um, turn off Wi-Fi on your desktop if you're not using it, or never use Bluetooth the, because Bluetooth also is, is a wireless um, communication device. So people don't think of that because Bluetooth is so small, but even having the Bluetooth on on your computer increases your exposure to um, to EMF. Um, so it, there, there's so many little things. It's not taking them away, because if you live in society in a way, there's an agreement that you're going to be around it. It's very difficult to shield your home. Some people do shield their homes, and um, that's fantastic. There's great shielding uh, products. However, my recommendation is to always work with a professional, a building biologist, because you could, for instance, use shielding paint in your house, but then have some devices inside the house. So if nothing can come in from the outside, if you have a uh, cell tower in front of your house, well, you have to be aware that what you're using inside can't go out either. So basically you're, you may be, <laughs> you know. Trapped. You may be trapped and having double exposure. So yes. So shielding needs to happen with uh, with professional guidance. Right. Oram is who I use. He's been up here three times. Yes, I've worked with Oram. I've worked with Oram Miller. Um, he was uh, actually the first one who gave me my first lesson <laughs> on how to shield the house and what to do. And I've been recommending him to a lot of people. And Larry Gust as well, who is in uh, the Ventura County. There's actually, and I don't, um, there's a building biologist um, website. And people can ant- enter their uh, their zip code and to find a certified building biologist near them. So you can find it um, if you go under the resource tab in, on our website, www.generationzapped.com, under the resource tab. You can find the, um, the link to, and I will tell you right now, the International Institute for Building Biology and Ecology. So this website is great. Just enter your your zip code, and you can find your um, a building biologist next near you who can um, guide you. And their website is H as in Harry, B as in boy, E, L as in Lola, C as in Charlie dot org. Great, thank you so much. They should make it simpler, but that that's why I had to spell it out. But <laughs> I'll recommend that to them. Good. Well, now let's talk about plans for distribution and how you're going to get the film to the public. So I'm working, and I'm actually, I should say, I am blessed to be working with John Reese from Hybrid Cinema. He's uh, my outreach producer and uh, um, producer in that sense. And so I've learned tremendously from him. Actually, I met him in November 2016 at the Get Real documentary conference that was organized by the International Documentary Association in Los Angeles. That's a great conference for documentarian to go to, I have to say. And at that, um, at that conference, I went to a panel that was called So Your Film Didn't Get Into Sundance, Now What?, and I was like, oh, my film's not <laughs> done like yet. John. But 
<laughs> it sounds like John, and it sounded like it, it resonated. I was like, well, I hope it gets into Sundance, but it's so medical and it's so uh, action-oriented. It, it doesn't have that, um, you know, it's more of a, I guess, uh, yeah, a- action-oriented, take action-oriented film, informational film, educational so I was like, well, I should probably go to that panel. And it was a blessing because I was shocked. He he said at that panel, well, if you're thinking of distributing your film, you need to hire us like nine months before. Wow, finish your film. nine months. So I started almost, yes, yeah, or at least have the conversation. So I had the conversation with him in Sundance. We met again in Sundance, and we're October. Well, I had this conversation in January, so it's been nine months, really. Um, so, because he starts becoming aware with the project, and then there's a whole social media of how how to convey the message to um, the public and the followers, and then there's a whole screen, screening um, strategy that he puts in place, which is what we're actually in full mode right now. Um, so, the because we want to have people connect as a community of their over this subject matter. Um, right now, the movie is available for home screenings or community screenings until it becomes available next year in 2018 on VOD or DVD sales. And the reason for that is the movie is great, <laughs> but it can be a little bit... Um, it, it it can be a little bit of a turnoff. Like people don't want to know that their phone is killing them. They're like a lot of people tell me, oh, I just don't want to know. I'm like, well, you should know because then there's simple things that you can do, like don't sleep with your cell phone by 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 your on your nightstand, for instance. Right. And yeah, that's one of the basic. And it only if you only watch the film and you only do that, then you've done a lot already. Um, and so by watching it as a community, we hope to create a dialogue, an awareness, and a movement where parents become more, I would say, involved in educating their children about devices because they're really harmful for very young children. And for teenagers, we're talking about problem reproductive problems and that's very serious so i think that by showing them in schools and libraries people will feel more more involved less and less people go and see big movies at the theater or they watch them at home or right but but there's a, a an emergence a need for community where people want to connect over so subject matters or over causes and that's what this film um, will allow people to do get together talk about it make changes together and try to change um, or at least implement safety guidelines in schools and public places oh this would be great for that implementing guidelines in schools wonderful we actually, in our screening campaign, we provide, with the screenings, we provide a screening toolkit and uh-huh. a discussion guide. So there is the discussion points to engage with the, the people you have the screening with. And also we give out uh, handouts to reduce exposures at home, at work, at school. 
um, and we give suggestions on how to approach um, schools, for instance, to to adopt some safety guidelines. Oh, fantastic! This is great. Well, um, are are you getting any screenings with schools? How is and how does that work? Not yet. We just started. La- we launched the, the trailer two weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, two, th- yeah, maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, sorry, I'm losing track of time. And we just started the screening campaign. We have over 175 um, screening demands. Um, and I'm mixing home screenings and community screenings. The difference is that home screenings are for 15 people and up, and community screenings are more than 15 people and usually in a public venue. And people can, of course, charge tickets for it. That gives them the licensing to charge tickets. So it's not that much. I mean, people can easily get together and, and, and see the film. Um, but... Um, the schools, we have a couple of PTAs that have asked. There's Actually, there's a lot of uh, parent associations that have asked. Not schools directly yet, but we haven't started our educational um, distribution. That's coming up in the next few weeks. Okay. And John is going to handle that too. We may be working with, a, with an um, educational distributor. But we will oh, work. So that's not going to be John. But we, and, I, and I'm not saying the name right now because I got the contract this morning and I have to read it before I sign it. Um, and so they're going to be working closely with John. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and so, all right, let's say how this works. Let's get into the details. So um, someone listening would like to have a community screening, perhaps in their library or something. So what they do, they go on your website and then they contact you or they go to John's website? No, no, they contact me. They go host a screening. We have a screening manager. And our screen, uh-huh. so they so there's a uh, a button on our website, host a screening. You describe your needs, how many people, what is your intention, um, and then our screening manager gets back to you and helps you set up the the screening. We have a whole um, screening, also marketing material that we give to people. With the flyers are already made, the invitations are already made. They just have to fill in their organization's name. Um, so we make it simple for people to organize the screenings, and there they can either charge for the screening and they get the proceeds, or they can offer a sponsor screening and um, show it for free. Um, you know, I wish I could make this film free for everybody, um, but I hope that, you know, people host, uh, hosting screenings, whether at home or in community, understand that there is a cost to managing the screening campaign and the social media and what's not finished on the film, all the delivery elements. So I'm still fundraising, actually. Um, despite the fact that we started our screening campaign, we're still uh, needing help on the delivery lim- elements and other things. Oh, I can imagine if you're giving away all of these goodies to people and you had to pay for the for the write-up, for the artwork and the printing, that's an, that's an incredible amount of additional expense for a film. Yes, but we, we felt that people really needed 
um, help in how to market this film. Like um, just this morning, we worked on how to set up an event on Facebook. There's been a few screenings already that are in the midst of happening, and and we want to get people to see where the screenings are happening. So we're going to have a, a tab on our website where you can see if there's a screening that is private or if a, a screening in your area is open to the public. So we're we're building that. The Good. Moment. All right. That would be great. Well, when you go to the screenings, um, you said you had a list of questions or, a, or a commu- uh, things Discussion that people could talk about. Yeah. Yes, discussion points. So when the film's over, uh, the organizer then talks about, uh, brings up the discussion points and gets people to talking about it. Is that what happens? Yes. Yes, like questions like um, after, I'm just giving you one question from the top of my head. After seeing this film, um, do you think you may have had symptoms that make you electrosensitive or not? And if so, do you do, do you see what you can do to reduce your exposure in your house, for instance? Um, or I, I'd have to have the list in front of me, but there's discussions around the safety of cell phones, about what they can do as a family with teenagers. I mean, really, what do you tell your teenager who doesn't want to let go of their phone? Um, right. Yeah, I I think I started <laughs> young right before the age where they were still listening to me, but not quite, but still a little bit. So my kids put their. I only have um, one sixteen-year-old uh, who has a phone. The other two, I have a fourteen-year-old and a twelve-year-old that don't have phones. I'm waiting until they get fifteen or sixteen to give them a phone. They have iPods, but they know not to sleep with it in their bedroom, and they know to put it on airplane mode, and they know not to carry it in their pocket. So most of the time, either the phone is on airplane mode in the pocket or it's it's on in the backpack. And I have to say, it's very annoying sometimes. One one day I was trying to reach my son, and I couldn't. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and after I was like, well, why wouldn't you answer your phone? He goes, Mom, you told me to put it on airplane mode when I'm not using it. And I thought that was, it totally backfired on me. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's right. Well, but people love the screenings, or they get, they're getting a lot of information out of it. I guess if you get people talking about a film after it's been played, I would think that would be a very interesting conversation. Um, well, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping, and I think that also by I, I did a, a presentation in a school um, when I was making the film, and that was great because I did it for ninth graders and tenth graders, to be, just because one teacher was electrosensitive, um, she was the physics teacher, and she asked me to come and explain why she takes um, her student's phone away and have them turn it off before her class yes. because the, te- the, uh, the students didn't get it. And it was science week, so I explained the, the issue about radiation and that it's a, a radiation in the microwave range and about the frequencies and all that. And just having this 45-minute talk created a lot of discussions because some kids came and said, oh, well, I was putting, I was sleeping with my phone under the, my pillow. I wouldn't, won't do that. So by knowing what they do 
as yeah. well in a classroom like this one. Oh, I was I put it in my bra or I sleep under it under my pillow or I have it in my pocket all the time. Then they they're not not that they're judging each other, but they're assessing each other's risks, and they might connect more to the risk that some their friends is facing before they identify themselves. Does that make sense? What I'm yes, it does. Because we care so much for others, we would certainly uh, start telling our, our friends, "Don't do that." You know, you heard what Sabine yeah, said. And I'm sure that's right. what's happening. It, it, that's yeah. I think they need a refresher, <laughs> but now the film is out, so hopefully that'll do. Well, tell me about your, your screening that you're having in uh, San Francisco with Premiere. We're having a premiere. It's very exciting. Yes, October 24th in San Francisco. Um, it is a private event. It's not open to the public. We may have a few seats we're waiting to find out, but it's mostly um, by invitation. So I think we are actually going to have a contest. There's going to be six tickets um, that people can win to attend the premiere by following mm-hmm. us on Facebook. And we should be starting that in the next week or so so people can do the contest to win tickets to come and attend. And it's great because it's going to be with a, a panel discussion and I mean, the film, it is a premiere, so we'll see how that turns out. But we've had a couple of test screening um, here and there at a conference, and it seems that when people see it, then they really listen to the experts with the, for the panel afterwards. So we're also hoping that some experts that are in the films can attend some of the screenings or that some schools who are going to show the film are going to get the experts either on Skype or in person to really validate the film. And it seems that it's it's very well received because I have to say that everyone in this film is, is, is very credible and has extensive credentials. Oh, yes, that's quite true, because I've, I've watched it so many times with you, and I know some of the people, and it's incredible. The group of people you put together was well chosen. There are many more, but, you know, I, you have to make a, a film that's... Uh, if, we, if we were making a docuseries about it, I could have more. I think there's 10 or 15 more experts that we interviewed that were fantastic, but we, we had to cut it down. That's very painful right. to do, I have to say. But but that could be extra footage that you could give us bonus footage if you sell that on your own website, like yes, we, we might do that. TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what would really be fun for everybody. Well, tell us what you could re- recommend for filmmakers who want to get their information directly to the people, just like you were doing. Um, so, what could you suggest that they do? Um, well, to contact genres nine months before they're done with their film or, or <laughs> that they're thinking about the, the distribution. I think it's really um, self-distribution nowadays is very hard. You have to work with professionals. And it's the same thing with the Kickstarter campaigns. That was the most difficult thing for me to do. Um, and I did one in 2000. I did an Indiegogo campaign in 2014, and one in 2016. And in the that two-year t- 
time period. It became such a new market, basically. Um, people hire professionals to do their um, crowdfunding campaigns because the amount of work that is needed for the outreach is just tremendous. So you have to work with teams. Um, so I would tell people, well, if you know, to work with people who have done it before, to um, really consider educational distribution and make it accessible to that. The film is 74 minutes. I'm planning on cutting it to 55 minutes or right under mm -hmm. a minute so that it can fit in a class period. <laughs> so I'll be right. doing that. Yes. Uh, I've been, yeah, a few people have requested shorter um, versions or two times 20 minutes. But I'm waiting to, for, more, for more sales to, to go back in the edit, edit room to, to do those changes or make those um, shorter. And, and so I, was, I would recommend um, building your database, um, focusing on, I think the difference in in some films is what you give to people. There are so many interesting films out there, so many well done with amazing subject matters. There's really a film for everyone. But when it when you give tools to take action, in our case it's um, exposure, reducing your exposure to EMF and uh, radio frequencies, or in the case of uh, water or the, the film water, how to have clean water, people want to have tips um, because they don't want to have to do the research themselves. So I think that's important. Right. Um, I think that's, and, and you know, the word of mouth is really important. I've heard so many crowdfunding campaigns um, that didn't give their perks. It took a long time, but I'm finally going to be sending the DVDs to the crowdfunders. I just received them yesterday, so that's a great, um, great start. Um, good, good. Yeah. So well, that's tell what I would me about and the marketing is really, really important. It almost takes as much, if you want to do it right, as much budget in marketing than it is in making the film, and I think that. As filmmakers, we forget that, which is what I loved about the documentaries compared to narrative. You just pick up your camera and you go do the interview, but you work bits by bits. You have some money, you do something, you stop, you raise money. You do something, you raise money again, you stop. And that, that process is exhausting. Yes. And once you get to the end, you're like, oh, well, the film's going to, work by itself and then you realize oh no you still have to fundraise for marketing <laughs> that was like a big realization for me because i saw that people were oh of course they're going to love the film but you can't compete with the number of films that are out there you really need to have um to 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 have um, a budget for digital marketing and uh, and everything that goes with it so i would say as a make sure you have some money for the marketing when you budget your documentary from the start. Well, let's, let's say your budget for your doc was around 350000 How much would you say to put in for the marketing? Oh, at least uh, fifty. At least 50, and the, and right. The, uh, and the outreach campaign. 
that's what I'm doing, you know, at least. Because mm-hmm. you you want to you want to do the social media and 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 you could go more. I mean, but you know, with with 300,000 you're like, "Oh, it's very hard to allocate 50,000 to marketing because you don't see the value when you're in the midst of making it. You want to use your money right now for editing because you want to see the finished product." And it's a, it's it's a when you're doing self distribution like I am in a way with with a team of course and and uh, hybrid cinema you have them um you you need to be able to you know pay for their time because it it is a full-time job exactly it is well tell me how you raised your money for the uh film did you get many grants or how did you do it well i got your grant to start with, and I have to say, I didn't use all the in-kind donations that I have, but the one that I've over-exhausted is the printing right now. And I think that at first I was like, oh, I don't know that I'll need um, a discounted copy mat in Hollywood, but boy, it's been I've been using that so much, and they've <laughs> been amazing. Um, I I did two crowdfunding campaigns. I had donors that were really happy that a film was being done that was credible with the with the people that were in it that talked also about electrosensitivity so i had some people who gave me large sums because they were electrosensitive and they felt that the message needed to go out there in a credible way um and i met a um Peter Sullivan, who became the executive producer of the film, who has helped tremendously with various grants. Um, And it was a funny story, actually. My DP at the time is um, Pétanque. Um, I don't know how you say that in English. Ball, maybe? Yeah. Um, He's a a champion, and, and he met with this guy and they were playing and he showed him the trailer he was working on and from there um that guy talked to Peter and Peter found us on Facebook and from the it, from there the relationship working relationships started and that was very very beneficial so yeah it it was That's a film wonderful. that was and but I have to say to to round it up around um from the hot production um sponsorship fiscal sponsorship if i didn't have a fiscal sponsorship i wouldn't have had all those donations so i think that it's really essential as a documentary nowadays to have fiscal sponsorship because there is money in corporations obviously not the telecom in my in my case but there are people who have foundations and who care about different issues so I think that one of the first thing um a documentary in development needs to do is uh get a a website name buy the re- register the domain name and get fiscal sponsorship right away buy the domain name and get sponsorship great yeah. that's very good <laughs> advice thank you so much you're absolutely right uh all right. Well, so now just give us some final tips, if you can, things that you've learned that you'd share with filmmakers on producing docs. Well, um, like I said, it's, it's really allocating um, some 
a budget for marketing after the film is done. And it's really hard to do because you want to use it when you need it, but it's no good to you if when you get to the end you can't put your film out there. Um, because, again, you're competing with so many different films. So I would suggest that. I would suggest discussing the the distribution strategy even if before you, you have your final cut or close to your final cut because you do need six to nine months to put in place a, um, a distribution um, like we're doing or do the outreach. Um, I've been working with, also I forgot to mention that, the Film Collaborative. They yes. do festival strategy, and I've worked with them as well. So we've we've submitted the film to festivals, and they're they're still working on the on the project in submitting the film to festivals. Um, so the it's it again. There's so many films out there um, that I think that submitting the film by yourself is no longer efficient. It's not that you have to know people, but you kind you have to know when, how to submit. The, the submissions are blind submissions, but at the same time, there is some, you know, best day to submit or not to submit and and which which festival you should submit first because if you get into this one, you might get, have better chances to get into the other one. And and it's a whole, um, it's, it's a whole festival strategy, which is what the Film Collaborative does. For oh, that's you, good to know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, and, and um, I think they they take fifty percent. Like you you don't have to pay money upfront. Some festival strategies you do have to pay some money upfront, and others don't. Depending if you take um, if if depending on your film, I think. But you do have a membership to pay that is very affordable for the work that they do. It's fantastic. Great. And when you say they take fifty percent, that is if you win anything in the festival. No, 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 no. I don't. Not the winning. The uh, what the festival pays. You know, the festivals uh-huh. pay for your film. So let's say you get into Cannes, they're gonna, I don't know, pay your film. Um, but that's once you're accepted and once you have you've paid your membership fee and they do the work for you. Um, but to do the work to, to bring the film there is um, in Cannes. I think I don't know how much they charge rates have changed so they would they would split that and they work with very they work with filmmakers all the time they make it work wonderful they make it work that's good to hear well tell us how we can contact you uh info at generationzap.com you can go to the to the to the website www.generationzapped.com you can host a screening from the website or you can email directly at screenings with an S at generationzap.com. And if oh, there's any questions great. about the film, it's info at generationzap.com. Okay. And follow us on Facebook because we do have, um, we announce a lot of things on Facebook and have a, a tips campaign going on. And if you haven't seen the trailer, you can also watch it on YouTube or the website. Good. I'm going to sign up for the tips. I think I know them, but I don't. I want. I don't want to miss anything. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, and if you sign up on the um, on our mailing list, you receive only set little uh, seven tips, 
but on the Facebook we have over 53, I think. Um, oh, wonderful. Um, but you can, and if you sign up, then we'll keep you posted on where the screenings are and you get information as things come up. Okay, sounds great. Well, best of luck to you, Sabine. It sounds like thank you're you really going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> you're most welcome. Claire, thank you for a wonderful show. Thank you I'll both for having join. me. Yes. Okay. All right, keep All right. the good work, Sabine. Thank you. Best of All luck. Right. Be well. All right, bye-bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.